Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is Startup Focus with Game Changers, presented by SAP, the best-run businesses run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies to shake up the status quo with big data and real-time and predictive analytics from the consumer to the enterprise. Learn how to help your organization move in exciting new directions. Here's your host, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. And if you want to run with the Game Changers, I promise you're in the right place. I always say that because it's true. What's the buzz today? Well, I have an interesting quote. The quote is from Jeff Goodell, who wrote Inside the Artificial Intelligence Revolution, a special report, part one, that ran in Rolling Stone magazine February 29th this year, 2016. Here's the quote. AI, artificial intelligence, is not a synthetic brain floating in a case of blue liquid somewhere. It is an algorithm, dot, 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 and I'll let you all look up the rest. So what are we talking about today? Well, AI has definitely evolved from the days of early interactive voice response systems, although sad to say many companies still use them. You know, you dial a number, you're looking for a service, you want to talk to someone, you get press one for English, press two for Spanish, press three for French, press four for Portuguese, on and on and on. Could that be a thing of the past? Oh, be still my heart. So AI applications and augmented and virtual reality are shifting how enterprises and consumers, now you're probably one or the other or both, how we manage our business and our personal lives, how we have proactive device assistance on our smartphones, on our wearables, and so much more. So because this show is Startup Focus with Game Changers, we're wondering what role do technology startups play in this disruptive and exciting landscape? The experts speak. I've got three experts here on the line with us today. I'm going to introduce them to you in just a moment, but let me tell you who they are. First up, we'll be speaking with Richard Smullen, S-M-U-L-L-E-N. He is the CEO and founder of a company called PipeStream, P-Y-P-E-S-T-R-E-A-M. We'll hear from Richard in a moment. Joining Richard on the panel is Sean Stuger, S-T-U-G-E-R. He's the chief operating officer of a company called Bootscapper, L-L-C. I'll spell that so you can look them up, B-O-O-D-S. Capital K-A-P-P-E-R, all one word, welcoming Sean in a moment. And then joining us again, he was on a recent episode, is Mark Narona, the startup engagement lead at SAP Startup Focus Program. So let's get started. Richard has sent me a quote from another Richard, Richard Branson. Sir Richard Charles Nicholas Branson, KT, is an English businessman and investor, best known as founder of the Virgin Group, which now comprises over 400 companies. He's a mere 60 five years old. What a kid Richard Branson is. His net worth as of last year, according to Forbes, is only, and I say only for a reason, and I'll tell you in a few minutes, $5.1 billion USD. Here is the quote Richard Smillen has selected. One has to passionately believe it is possible to change the industry, to turn it on its head, to make sure that it will never be the same again. Richard Smullen at Pipestream. Welcome. How are you, Richard? I'm good, Bonnie. Thank you for having me, and I love hearing that quote, so I uh, appreciate you sharing it with your listenership. Well, thank you. Tell us how you picked the quote, Richard, and what it has to do with our topic. We're talking AI, augmented and virtual reality. We're talking tech startups, big topics. So tell us what this quote has to do with our topic. Well, first and foremost, I'm a big Richard Branson fan and, and have been one of his uh one of his followers for a, for a long time, aside from the fact that we share a name, 
But I think the, uh, the essence of the quote is really about how one creates major change and one can kind of perpetuate and change an industry, change society forever. And the key ingredient, I think, in doing that, which he mentioned, is, is passion. Passion is, is contagious. It gets really felt by those that are, that are being addressed, that are listening to what's being said. And if you have passion and the conviction to change something, I believe it can happen. In our industry specifically, with regards to artificial intelligence, with regards to augmented reality, and the way that machines can really play a role in our everyday life, I think there's tremendous opportunity for change. This change can really affect multiple industries. You mentioned customer service and the IVR line, but it really mm-hmm. goes far beyond that. And I think we're at the uh, the, the precipice of, of what's going to be uh, a kind of revolution similar to the Industrial Revolution, but around robotics and, and automation. So that quote, I felt, you know, brings that message home that we're, you know, we're at that inflection point. And with the passion and conviction, we can make a, a real substantial change in, in everything going on. Thank you, Richard. Very interesting quote. And what I pull out of this is possibility not only to change the industry, but to turn it on its head. Very interesting. Is this something, uh, and we'll talk about Pipestream in just a few minutes. I'll give you an opportunity to talk about your company and Sean Stuger an opportunity to talk a little bit about his. But is this when, when you, you founded Pipestream, Richard, did you say, aha, I'm going to go in and turn an industry on its head. I'm the guy. I'm the one. We're smart. We have the passion, the energy. We're going to find the money. We're going to do it. Is this what drives you? I think those are, are qualities that are innate in, in entrepreneurs and people that are, you know, really driven in, in business and, and in other aspects of life. But what really, you know, was the uh, was the seed of the idea, what the onset, so to speak, was the fact that as a consumer, you know, it's your kind of lead-in. I was getting overly frustrated with the systems that businesses forced me to use in mm. order to interact with them. And oftentimes it's inconvenient. It, it doesn't really suit you. Yes, we don't really have the option. If you want to deal with your cable company, if you want to deal with your insurance company, you phone them because those are, you know, the terms and that's the way that they've mm-hmm. told you to. I believe that the time has arrived where the power kind of shifts to the consumer and the consumer should be able to interact with the business on the consumer's terms in a way that a consumer would like to. And messaging has been really chosen by consumers as, as that way. We're seeing it in the person-to-person interaction space. Messaging is, is by far the most ubiquitous form of communication now. So for me, it was really just a, a, you know, a simple premise of why can I use my chosen methodology or mechanism to communicate with friends, yet something more important, more timely, and mm-hmm. oftentimes linked to a financial value, I'm still forced to use a telephone or, or send an email. So as a consumer, which is oftentimes the best way to you know, have a, a, a seed kind of germinate in business, is something that you would use and then research showed that my friends would use it too. And that really kind of started this whole movement around moving customer service and, and customer loyalty from phone-based, from email-based to messaging-based. And here we are 18 months later and uh, I'm on your show. So I feel that <laughs> the, uh, the message and the idea has been resonating. 
I hope that's a that's a new peak for you. We're very happy to have you on the show. And uh, by the way, what was I going to say? Um, necessity, you know, the old quote, necessity is the mother of invention. And it sounds like you as a consumer saw a necessity and you invented something. And we'll talk a little bit more about the company in a few minutes. As I said, Richard, welcome and so pleased to have you on. Thanks for sharing your insight and bringing us that fabulous quote from Mr. Branson. So let's turn to our second guest, Sean Stuger, COO of Boots Capper LLC. And Sean has sent me a quote that is typically attributed to Mark Twain. However, little digging, and everybody who listens to all of our Game Changer shows know that I love to dig into the attributions of the quotes my guests send me. This turns out it was a quote from H. Jackson Brown's mother, interestingly enough. H. Jackson Brown, you may remember, wrote Life's Little Instruction Book, 511 Suggestions, Observations, and Reminders on How to Live a Happy and Rewarding Life. He also wrote The Complete Life's Little Instruction Book and Life's Little Instruction Book, Simple Wisdom and a Little Humor for Living a Happy and Rewarding Life. And he also wrote the book, P.S. I Love You, about his mom. Apparently, she wrote him letters when he was eight years old and a camper away from home for the first time. And when he opened his mother's letters, he would always read the P.S. first. And the P.S. postscript included revelations, her humor, her observations, her admonitions, now do this, don't do that, and encouragement she wanted to share. So here is the quote from H. Jackson Brown's mother via Mr. Sean Stuger. 20 years from now, you will be more disappointed by the things you didn't do than by the ones you did do. Sean Stuger, welcome to Game Changers. How are you, Sean? I'm doing great, Bonnie. Thank you for having me on the show. We're delighted to have you. Love the quote. Excuse me for doing the digging on the attribution. We love Mark Twain, but I think we need to show some love for H. Jackson Brown's mother as well. So tell me, love the quote. How did you pick it for our show today? We're talking AI. We're talking augmented and virtual reality. We're talking changing the game. Sean, talk to me. Uh, the, the big thing about the quote itself really is uh, 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 an essence of really who I am as a person. Um, and hopefully for, for those that really want to discover more about uh, the, the, the future and what the future holds for, for themselves. When you look at uh, doing things and really trying to d- discover, um, pushing the envelope, um, uh, it, you can say, um, the quote itself really is the essence of that. It, it really just uh, captures uh, just pretty much just uh, uh, pushing, uh, uh, just casting everything to the, to the wind and, and saying to yourself, let me go ahead and take a chance. Um, mm-hmm. And it, it's not necessarily just uh, taking uncalculated risks. Uh, there, there are calculated risks that are in there, um, but it's, it's doing the things that make sense for, for, for one to do. And uh, don't always take the uh, the safe route, but go ahead and uh, sometimes uh, take the unconventional route as well. And for, for myself, I spent uh, 25 years in the uh, U.S. Air Force. And mm-hmm. uh, to, to have spent that much time in the U.S. Air Force and then transition uh, out of that, um, it was pretty interesting for me because I split my time and actually, uh, about 10 years into my, uh, my time, I actually went to work for a uh, small Silicon Valley startup. So to have done that, um, that was, in a sense, uh, kind of uh, throwing off the bow lines and uh, uh, really not being disappointed in the things that, uh, that I really wanted to do. Um, because now I look back and having done that, I can say I'm glad I did it. I learned from it. 
and uh, I was able to gain a lot of experience in, in having done that. And, and that's really what it's about, is gaining that experience and, and really uh, capturing the essence of who you are as a person as you move forward in life. Um, and the, the tie-in to, uh, to, to AI and what we're doing as, as a company is exactly that, is really trying to push the envelope to do things that are really unconventional. Uh, when you look at uh, the, the types of things that uh, AI brings to bear, uh, people want to be helped. Uh, people want to uh, have a sense of purpose. Um, and AI, in a sense, when, when you look at what it brings to the table, it gives them an ability to, to really do more than they have been used to, used to doing. Um, and it's a, it's a tool in itself. It's not a replacement. It's a tool to, uh, to make uh, people more productive. Uh, it's a tool to uh, to make them uh, more creative, and uh, really, that's uh, that's what we're looking at uh, bringing to the uh, to the table uh, with with our toolkit. Thank you very much. Very interesting, Sean. And, and as you're speaking, I'm thinking of not only the quote you shared with us, uh, and, and we might say mommy knows best sometimes. This was in, in the case of H. Jackson Brown Jr.'s mother. But I'm thinking back to the quote Richard Smullen just shared with us talking about passionately believing it's possible to change an industry, turn it on its head, make sure it will never be the same again. And that could, could we extend that from the quote about you would be disappointed by the things you didn't do more than the things you did do, meaning having that opportunity. Any quick thoughts on that, Sean? Absolutely. Um, so, for, for instance, if you, if you look at um, what, we, what we can, uh, can do uh, with the types of technology, uh, that AI can bring to bear. Um, our, our founder actually worked on the Watson project um, uh, in IBM mm. um, mm-hmm. during during the 90s, and uh, that was part of the foundation of uh, why we decided to go ahead and pursue the initiative uh, within Bootscapper. Um, if we if we look forward and uh, said to ourselves that. Uh, it's a great technology, um, but you know there are going to be other companies that are out there that are um, they're doing it. So let's just go ahead and let them do it, um, versus us trying to really push the envelope and 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 continue down the path where we we felt that we can actually make an impact uh, with the the things that we believed in. Um, and the way that we're we're trying to connect consumers is uh, is it's really kind of uh, uh, multiple phases. Uh, we, we do it on the consumer-facing side. We do it internal to companies uh, to allow companies to become more productive internally. And we do it on the supplier-facing side as well. So uh, it's really kind of a three-tiered approach uh, for, for companies. Uh, so uh, when you look at AI itself, it's, it's really um, holistic in the approach that uh, companies can actually utilize the technology. Uh, so in looking at uh, being disappointed by the things that you didn't do, um, if we weren't able to accomplish this, if we didn't pursue this, and we looked back um, 10, 15, 20 years from now, uh, and we, we saw the, the types of uh, benefits that AI could actually bring to bear, uh, mm-hmm. then we, we, we feel we'd be kicking ourselves um, because we, we know that the, the types of uh, uh, things that uh, AI could bring to the table, uh, the, the benefits that it can bring to consumers, to companies, to suppliers, um, are, are really uh, great benefits. And uh, we're seeing it. Uh, we're starting to see traction in the market. We know that we're at the, the bottom of the curve right now mm-hmm. and really at the beginning of the, the wave. Uh, it's just really starting to 
uh, take off. Uh, and when you look at AI, although uh, you can say that neural networks, AI, robotics has been around for uh, a decade, maybe a couple of decades, uh, it's really a nascent technology. And as you move forward over the next uh, couple of decades, it's really going to start taking off. Um, we're really at uh, kind of the, the beginning stages of seeing AI really starting to, to get hold. And I absolutely agree with Richard in that um, as consumers start to uh, uh, see the, the benefit of how uh, you can interact with, uh, with platforms uh, such as ours, uh, they will be able to continue down the path to, uh, to leverage these technologies. And beyond consumers, uh, the companies themselves, and, uh, and again, with uh, what we're trying to do, extending it all the way through the uh, uh, supplier side as well. So really, for, for us, we're looking at the entire supply chain uh, for companies and, and leveraging the AI to, to really enhance that, that entire supply chain. Thank you, Sean. Very interesting and insightful, and you may not be aware of it, but you just set up perfectly for me to introduce our third guest, Mark Narona, SAP Startup Focus, Startup Engagement Lead, because Mark has sent us a quote from Bill Gates that is so on point with what you just said and what Richard Smullen just said. And the quote, of course, Bill Gates, William Henry Bill Gates, the third American business magnet, philanthropist, investor, computer programmer back in the day, an inventor, and he and Paul Allen co-founded Microsoft, aha, back in 1975, another millennium ago, and as of last year, 2015, Bill Gates was worth a mere 79.2 billion. That's why my comment was uh, Richard. When I was talking about Richard Branson, he was worth only 5.1 billion. I don't know that sounds low, but Gates is worth 79.2 billion. But back to my point about Sean setting up beautifully my segue. The quote Mark Narona has selected from Bill Gates is: "The dream is finally arriving." talking about AI. Mark Narona, join the party. How are you, Mark? I'm good. Thank you, Bonnie. Glad to be here. Glad to have you here. Two great guests so far, and here you are joining us. And tell me, the dream is finally arriving. We're talking AI and all things virtual and all things smart. So how did you pick this quote today, Mark? Well, uh, I think uh, Bill Gates made this uh, quote earlier this year, uh, speaking at a, uh, at a conference. And it's kind of interesting when you look at Bill Gates and Paul Allen, when they actually founded Microsoft, I think one of the things that they'd said or he'd said was that he had a dream. He had a dream of a computer on every desktop and a computer in every home. Uh, it was, I found it just interesting to see that him making a statement saying, hey, that this is what it's been all leading up to, you know, AI and the dream is finally arriving. And it's so true when you look around, um, whilst there's a lot of, of exaggeration and hyperbole surrounding the subject and it's it's ai is hot and it's all over the media wires and everything but the fact remains that ai is is finally here and entering our lives be it as consumers or be it as employees or business owners or mm-hmm. strategists um, you know we're all thinking about ai and observing it uh, you know infuse itself into our lives so i just felt it was very relevant to our conversation today 
It's perfect, and thank you very much, Sean. Now you see why I said what your final words in in your introduction was a perfect were a perfect segue for me. So thank you, Sean. He didn't even know he was doing it. I appreciate that, Richard Smellen. I'm going to circle all the way around the table to you and ask you two personal questions. I think I prepared you for these. Not too personal. Number one, where are you calling from? And number two, what's in your cup today? This is our little getting to know our experts segment, and we just want to know what's your favorite drink if you're not drinking it right. Right now, Richard, what are you planning to drink later after the show? So, Richard Smellen at Pipestream, talk to me. Funny, I am calling from Manhattan, where our office is headquartered and I live. I am South African, though, so if your listenership is picking up an accent, I was born in Johannesburg, South Africa, moved here seven and a half years ago. Right now, I am actually drinking cold coffee, which is what I drink every morning. I'm not a big uh, hot drink fan and never used to drink coffee until a very good friend of mine, an author named Sanjeev Chopra, gave me a book to read called The Big Five. And it was five behaviors and and, and kind of um, adoptions that, that one can take in, in creating a, a happier, more, uh, more lively and, and healthier life. And one of those behaviors was to drink as much coffee as one can in a day and that would you know have some kind of uh, medicinal effect if you if you will that that would make you happy and live longer so when someone doesn't like hot drinks you uh you drink cold versions of them and hence my uh, my cold cup of coffee in front of me and not even iced and- coffee Bonnie. it's just a it was a, a, a coffee that i put half a cup of cold water in very interesting. So, so do you brew the coffee and then let it sit and add cold water to it, or how do you, do you make it as a hot beverage and then just let it come to room temperature, or what do you? How do you get there, Richard? Just briefly. I actually put cold water in a in a cup, and then we have one of these Keurig coffee machines. Mm-hmm. So I use a, a, a large glass, put half a glass of cold water in, and then brew the coffee to the uh, you know to the room. So comes up comes up good it doesn't taste that good so i just down it (laughs) (laughs) you you know i have a i have an espresso richard i have an espresso machine and i love dark roast coffee so what i do if i can't finish i make a big cup i can't finish it i put it in the refrigerator sometimes with a little milk sometimes just plain straight out of whatever it was when i took it out of the coffee maker i let it sit for a couple hours or overnight and then i put it in i have a, a like a single beverage blender it's a hamilton beach little red blender and it pulses and you have to hold the button and it pulses i pour the leftover coffee I put in an ice cube. I put a little bit of of agave syrup, which is sweet but not sugar. I might add half a banana, not mushy but not hard, half of a ripe banana, and then a little bit of 1% milk cold. And I'll blend it up until it's foamy and frothy and fills the cup on this little personal blender. And I'll put a straw right into it. I take the cap off, obviously. I put a little straw in it, and it's divine. So that's what I would suggest to you if you like something that's a little more frothy than just sitting around cold coffee. How does that sound, Richard? It sounds really good, and I'm going to ask you on behalf of your listeners as well as your uh, your guests here to please put that recipe on your website so we can get it done. <laughs> I'll put it into Twitter. I, I'll, I'll put it into Twitter. Thank you. Nobody's ever asked me to do that. And I'll tell we'll you what I'm really drinking right. <laughs> what? <laughs> Thank you. 
you. Okay. And it's good even in winter, not even just in summer. Thank you, Richard. Sean Stuger, where are you calling from? Same question. What's your favorite drink? What gets you up and going? Or what do you drink for relaxation? Sean? Well, Bonnie, I, I'm actually calling from Colorado Springs, Colorado. And what I'm drinking right now and what I actually have in my cup right now is actually uh, water. Um, I moved to Colorado Springs uh, back in uh, 2012, and one of the things that uh, is uh, is uh, very apparent here in, in Colorado Springs is the uh, the altitude. It's over 6,000 feet um, in altitude, and uh, if you don't uh, consume uh, uh, quite a bit of water, uh, you tend to get uh, uh, headaches and uh, fatigue uh, pretty easily. So I, I tend to consume a lot of water. I also cycle out here quite a bit. Um, the area is very conducive to uh, outdoor activities, uh, cycling, hiking, uh, which I love to do both. And uh, as a result, I've uh, really just uh, gotten to the point where water is really kind of my, my drink of choice. It just uh, keeps me going. Um, when I when I relax, uh, you know, I'll have a, a glass of wine in, in the evening, and that uh, that tends to uh, uh, do me well. I think uh, red red wine has uh, its own benefits as well. Um, but uh, during the daytime, I, I tend to uh, stick with the water, and uh, it, it really does uh, does me well uh, for, uh, for most of the day. Thank you. I'll give you a little secret in a minute about what I'm really drinking. But Sean, do you have a favorite red wine? You'd like to tell us a label or a, or an origin origination of it? Well, I, I actually um, uh, was in uh, France just uh, recently. I uh, spent a couple of weeks in, in Paris, and uh, there were a couple of wines there that uh, that I, I had, and uh, the Bordeaux there was just outstanding, and I would say that was probably uh, my favorite um, out of any uh, red wine that I that I tried. So I would have to say that uh, at this point, Bordeaux would be my uh, my favorite red. <laughs> Thank you very much. We just want to get to know you, and now we do. Maybe we'll all share a Bordeaux at some point. And Mark Maroney, you've done this game before, so where are you today? And what are you drinking, or what are you thinking about drinking later, Mark? Oh, I'm in my office in Palo Alto here in California. And uh, as usual, um, you know, I start my morning with a cup of uh, tea. And um, since I'm from India, I do have very rarely call it tea. I almost always call it chai. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, it's, it's uh, an Indian tea, um, and it's mixed with some of uh, powdered spices like cloves and cardamoms and you know, black pepper and a little powder. Um, and that's what wakes me up every morning. I've been doing it for pretty much my entire life. Um, though I like coffee, um, I must say that I love tea. Mm-hmm. Interesting. I think we had a gentleman from Britain on a show last week, Mark, who said that he <laughs> he hates tea. His wife doesn't like that quality in him very much because they're both British. But he said he absolutely hates tea, won't have anything to do with it. That was quite an inter- interesting revelation, breaking from party lines, if you'll excuse the political suggestion. But I have to tell, well, well uh, Mark knows me well enough, but Richard and Sean don't. They do not allow me to have any caffeine on radio oh. show days, gentlemen. And I think you know why. So for radio, I have a cool, clear mug with cool, clear water out of the my Brita filter poured about an hour ago because today's a doubleheader Game Changers Radio Day. And I have an orange straw in my cup because I'm looking at the leaves that are just starting to change here. It's November 1, 2016. I'm on the north shore of Long Island in New York, and the trees are still mostly green, but the colors are coming, and it's going to be a beautiful fall, I'm positive. So that's about me. And by the way, uh, Richard Smullen, I looked up the big five. Is this 
the Big Five Project personality test you were mentioning a moment ago? Uh, no. I no, mean, okay. Because there is something called the Big Five big Project. Five I mean, the Big Five, even in Africa, there's a Big Five, and these are the, the animals that are described as the most dangerous if, uh, you know, if humans provoke them. So, so the, you know, some of the rarest animals that one can see on safari. So that, that Big Five, this particular Big Five is the title of, of uh, Dr. Chopra's book. And oh, the Big Five okay. That one can, you know, as I say, adopt his behaviors to have a healthier, longer life. I thank you very much. I've looked up Big Five and I've hit about 25 websites instantly and they're all over the map, literally and figuratively. So I'll look it up later. Thank you for the reference. So guess what? I'm going to give my panelists a break. They've been talking and working very hard so far. So we're speaking today with Richard Smellen at Pipestream and he'll tell us uh, the elevator pitch when we come back on exactly what they do, what they offer. And then we're talking to Sean Stuger at Boots Capper and he'll specifically give us his elevator pitch. And then Mark Nerona, of course, at SAP. Startup Focus. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. We have a very interesting topic today, the startup mindset and enterprise AI. If you're just tuning in and you literally have been living under a rock, AI is artificial intelligence. How do we make it so smart? Why do we want to be like AI? Why do we want to have AI? The hype versus the reality. And what is the role of the startup, the tech startup today in this burgeoning, exciting, disruptive landscape of AI, virtual reality, augmented reality, and all that exciting stuff. So don't don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. We will be right back. Aaron out. In today's globalized world, the competition for customers and marketplace has never been fiercer. Emerging technologies, especially those like big data, can help level the playing field and enable everyone from established enterprises to nimble startups to radically change the status quo. The bottom line, if you embrace technology, you can innovate your way to success. Big data is changing the way we live our lives and do business. Learn how with Startup Focus with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Visit www.sap.com. With new companies like yours competing aggressively for top customers, your strategies and tools must level the playing field and position you well against your larger adversaries. Today, you are faced with global competition for both customers and talent that will drive your business. The bottom line, you need to define what's going to set you apart, and you need to embrace innovation in every facet of your company and your brand. Startup Focus with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Visit www.sap.com. You're listening to Startup Focus with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the live show at Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to Startup Focus with Game Changers. Indeed, let's get back. And here we are speaking today with Richard Smellen at Pipestream, Sean Stuger at Bootscapper, and Mark Nerona at SAP Startup Focus. And I'm still Bonnie D. Graham, and I plan to be for the rest of the show. We're going to start our roundtable in earnest right now. And Richard Smellen first. I'm asking Richard to give us the 60-second overview, if you will, the elevator speech in a, in a rather slow elevator, I think, of exactly what does Pipestream do. And then I'll pick a topic from your list, Richard, and we'll start the roundtable. So, Richard, tell us, what is Pipestream? 
So, Barney, Pipestream started off as an app that one would have on their phone that looks like WhatsApp or Facebook Messenger. It feels like those messaging apps. But instead of going into a contacts list and finding people there and, and chatting to friends, you would go into a catalog or into a directory and you'd find businesses. And these would be businesses, airlines, insurance companies, banks, maybe utilities, the companies that consumers would otherwise phone in order to get mm-hmm. help or support or, or, or query some kind of payment. Because our belief is that consumers should be able to message or interact with businesses on their terms and using the mechanism that they prefer. And as I said earlier on in this, this conversation, that we have the option to phone our friends or message our friends, yet we're all choosing to message our friends. It's definitely the, 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 the mechanism of choice, yet when it comes to businesses, we're not given the option to message businesses in such a way that we can really transact and, and perform you know, a, a broader array of, of functions with the business. So we developed a platform to do that, and it's evolved from just an app whereby you can also connect to the business and chat to them through their website, through their own app where we plug in with an SDK. And the idea is that an agent sitting in the back of a call center will be able to handle up to 15 consecutive conversations with consumers using messaging than he would during one phone conversation or one phone call. So it's just a very high efficiency, high throughput kind of rate play for uh, for businesses to adopt. Where the chatbots come in or artificial intelligence is that there comes a time where the agent is answering the same questions over and over and over again. And that repetitiveness can be replaced with a robot or with a software program that can answer the consumer and provide them with the, uh, the resolution of information that they're looking for. So our product is an end-to-end solution. It starts with the consumer, it's the entire messaging middleware, which is built around security and complies to a lot of regulation for privacy and, and making sure that data is kept safe and goes all the way into the back end where there's either a customer relationship management tool that can plug into other software like SAP, et cetera, and then robots to be switched on to replace some of the, the more mundane, more repetitive tasks that humans are sitting there expecting to answer in order to give a, a, a tremendous customer experience. For us, it's all about customer experience. If you as a business can delight a customer, can excite them and, and really make them feel like you care about their business and the fact that you know they're spending their hard-earned money with you, then they're going to talk about your service and, and your friends and their friends are going to join the service. It's actually a, a proven methodology called the Net Promoter Score. And we're here to mm-hmm. you know, help businesses improve their Net Promoter Score and at the same time reduce tremendous costs on the back end. The costs around call centers are substantial. I mean, a uh, typical mobile company has between 10 and 20,000 people in the, in the call center answering phones, yet we still wait on hold you know, longer than we should as consumers. So the entire system's there to just create efficiencies and, and reduce costs. Thank you. Very, very interesting. I think it'd be a dream come true for a lot of us so tired of waiting. I waited on the phone for somebody to pick up for, I, cu- I clocked it, nine and a half minutes for a major, let's just keep it vague, uh, consumer slash business supply company, household name. Everybody knows the name. I waited almost 10 minutes and got the same. We're sorry. Our lines are busy. 
10 minutes in the middle of the day made absolutely no sense. And then the person gave me every... And then you get connected to somebody, tell them a story, they put you on hold, you get transferred to someone else, and you have to repeat the story. It's just... You know, it's a it, it was maddening. It was maddening. It's not getting any better. So it, AI is here, we believe, to, to help fix it. And you know what, Richard? When I finally got somebody and he checked inventory, he told me they were all out of the product I needed and to go to another store. The other store said the product didn't exist. Didn't exist, wasn't on the market, never heard of it. So my a friend of mine who had this product said to me, let's just go to the first store. We went there. The product was not only in stock, it was there on the floor as a display model, and it was there in a box for me to take and buy. Topic ended. Yeah, unbelievable. Yeah. Com- complete, yes, complete. Ma- major national chain all over the U.S., maybe all over the uh, – they had no idea about the room. Anyway, let's talk. So let's talk about this. I think I've already answered the question I wanted you to, but here's something from your notes I want to talk about. We're going to ask Sean and Mark to chime in on this, and let's keep it to about two minutes each, and then we'll go to a topic from Sean Stuger. So you say, Richard Smullen at Pipestream says, we're only just starting to see the ways in which chatbots, C-H-A-T-B-O-T-S, if you're wondering, can improve customer relationships. Relationships, but he adds, any new technology needs to be implemented strategically and mastered over time in gradual implements increments. Trying to do too much too soon often results in what you don't want, poor customer experiences. Why don't you tell us the downside of moving too quickly, Richard? Keep it tight, and then we'll have Sean chime in. Go ahead. I think it's with any adoption of a new system that kind of can transcend your entire business. You want to make sure that the employees who are tasked with managing it know how to use it properly. There's obviously a learning curve there in education, so that takes time, and you have to allow for the gradual you know, adoption from, from the business end. And then certainly on the consumer side, while we all know messaging and we, we take to it pretty naturally, the idea of using messaging to chat inside it or to make payments inside it or to receive a catalog or a video inside it does require some behavior change and that takes some time so i think the challenge of just kind of throwing it out there you know it's it's the boil the ocean you know scenario where it's just too much for uh, for both ends of the equation to to take on with chatbots there's a lot of learning there's a lot of there's a lot of history that a bot needs to take into account in order to ensure that the experience given to the customer is accurate and and timely and even that learning process takes time. So the downside is, is really, you know, the whole thing kind of, you know, freezing up and, and, and people just getting frustrated because it's too many instructions coming at them. So it's, a, it's definitely a gradual process. In our world, you would typically start with asking a question about a product and then a few weeks later be told that you can now make a payment through the messaging system and maybe a few weeks later that you can now watch, you know, promotional videos from that business. So it's a, it's a phased approach. Thank you very much. Let's talk in general. Sean Stuger at Bootscapper. Uh, agree or disagree with Richard's statement, his contention that you've got to make it gradual when you're bringing a new interruption, a disruption, something innovative and new. It takes time to find out how to make it work and what people really need and can digest, if you will. Sean, what's your thought on that, please? I, I agree you need to uh, make it gradual. Uh, we're at a point where... Uh, this type of technology, um, when when it's uh, AI related, especially, and when you're talking about chatbots, uh, if you look at the, the number of companies that are out there developing uh, chatbot uh, type services, uh, 
you know, we're, we're numbering in the, uh, the, the hundreds that are out there today. Uh, those types of companies that are out there developing uh, this capability, they're trying to bring uh, the, uh, the chatbot technology to market. Uh, so as they bring these uh, technologies uh, to, uh, to market, uh, the consumer adoption is going to be there, but it's, it's not going to be uh, all, all at once. Um, they're going to be the early adopters. They're going to be the, the ones that innovate and want to uh, uh, utilize the services uh, up front. Um, I also agree that there will be frustration in, in some that use a service and they'll want to go back to kind of the old method of uh, using uh, uh, typical uh, phone calls and, and emails. Uh, but your early adopters will continue to use the, uh, the services that the chatbots provide, and they're the ones that are going to drive the technology forward. Uh, so as they drive the technology forward, they, they will allow that adoption to continue, uh, and that process will, will be gradual over the next uh, few years. Uh, but it won't happen overnight. It's going to take uh, a little bit of time for it to, uh, to occur. And as it uh, begins to occur, uh, you'll have companies that uh, come in on, uh, uh, on, the, on the middle and back end uh, that will really uh, leverage uh, that type of adoption to, to now start to, to learn from those lessons um, and uh, make sure that uh, the services that they bring to market uh, will be services that are actually uh, services that uh, uh, customers can, can utilize and services that can be uh, provided to, uh, uh, to a, a wider range of customers, um, thus giving them kind of a, a broader base uh, of, uh, of uh, customers that will adopt uh, those, uh, those types of uh, services and, and technology. Thank you, Sean. Mark Narone, I'd love to get your two cents on this. What do you think? So I think, Bonnie, I, I fully agree that as with any new technology, there is an adoption curve. And um, I think what's happening with us today, uh, and I'm going to speak from an enterprise context first, is that we have a number of things that are happening parallelly. Um, if we just roll back a couple of years, we started grappling with this really exciting concept of data, and we named it Big Data, and we started trying to figure out uh, what that really means to us in the enterprise. Uh, we all knew that there's significant value hidden in that data. Well, along the same time or, you know, immediately thereafter came along the Internet of Things, which kind of uh, was an exponential additional value, but and also an exponential increase in the amount of data that was now available to us um, to actually drive value out of. And along with that comes the artificial intelligence revolution, which is fundamentally in so many ways um, about the data itself. So now we've got, we've, in the enterprise, we've got this situation where we are kind of grappling with all of these new technologies uh, and these opportunities that they represent. And so for a little while, you know, there's going to be this period where we experiment with these technologies, really understand how we drive value out of them, how we bring them into systems. Um, and I think that time is almost always a struggle. It's painful. Uh, we've gone through the basic struggle of building the technologies to begin with. Now we have to embark on the struggle of actually deriving value from these technologies and the applications that will be built on these technologies. So I tend to agree that you know this is the phase that we're in. But that said, um, 
you know, as we pass through this and as we get better at it and as our understanding matures, I think there's a tremendous amount of value that uh, the enterprise is going to uh, be able to drive out of these technologies. Thank you very much. And uh, in the interest of time, I'm going to move quickly to Sean. And, Sean, I'm going to ask you to give us your elevator pitch on Boots Capper. Where does the name come from? What do you do? Where does the name come from? Uh, so Boots Capper is actually an Afrikaans uh, word. It means uh, messenger in Afrikaans. And um, uh, the the word itself originated, uh, it, it was the, uh, the person that actually uh, kind of uh, ran around and delivered uh, messages. Uh, so uh, we wanted to uh, develop a uh, kind of a, a notion of of that messaging service, um, being able to deliver messages and have messages, uh, whether it's uh, uh, customer-facing, uh, whether it's uh, internal uh, to, uh, to companies or supplier-facing, uh, so we decided to go with uh, with Bootscapper because uh, a number of companies out there already had uh, Messenger or messaging in their names. So we uh, uh, we settled on on Bootscapper. Uh, the company itself is uh, based out of uh, Dallas, Texas, and uh, uh, as I mentioned, we're we're focused on on AI, but uh, we uh, we also uh, tie into uh, the the CRM and ERP side. And when you look at uh, really how we leverage the, uh, uh, the artificial intelligence, it's, it's really artificial intelligence as a service uh, for enterprise, uh, uh, enterprise services. Uh, so we try to work with uh, Fortune 2000 companies to uh, implement uh, across the board, whether it's uh, in, in industries such as uh, airlines, uh, industries, oil and gas, utilities, uh, smart cities, um, so it really cuts across the board. Um, we actually started uh, on the retail side and then kind of uh, have shifted uh, with the number of use cases that we've developed um, for customers. And uh, based on those use cases, we've, we've found that uh, the application itself uh, really has been able to, uh, uh, to be developed uh, across uh, multiple industries and to be adopted across multiple industries. And one of the things that, uh, you know, and it kind of goes back to what Richard was saying earlier, um, the utility of messaging services itself uh, for, for Americans and, and really for uh, kind of the, the global customer base uh, continues to, gr- to grow when you look at the uh, smartphone uh, saturation. Um, uh, 90, for instance, 97% of Americans are, are using um, a uh, an application for messaging um, on a daily basis, and so given that, uh, we see the utility and the need for customers to have uh, that type of uh, capability, and in turn, uh, companies can leverage uh, the the way uh, customers are actually interfacing with their with their uh, uh, smart devices today uh, by by utilizing uh, these types of services. Thank you very much, Sean. Very interesting. And I'm looking at your notes. I want to pick up a couple of talking points here. Some very uh, strong statements here. You say, number one, 2016 has been a breakout year for AI. And then you say, very provocatively, AI will be a big part of smart city initiatives around the world. And customer service and brand promotion are two process areas where AI can make significant contributions. You want to pick any of those and just give us a little bit of background or elaboration on any of those? They're all very interesting to me. Sure. Sean? Um, 
I'll, uh, I'll pick, uh, for instance, uh, brand promotion. Um, mm-hmm. a, a great example, uh, we, we actually developed a, uh, a case for uh, a company in, in Canada recently. And uh, the brand promotion itself, it, it's, it's one where customers can have utility uh, in a number of uh, different, uh, different ways. Just think of the way that um, retail has been done over the last uh, several years. Uh, for instance, um, the amount of searching that individuals have, have had to do uh, to really collect information on the things that they wanted to shop for, um, looking for uh, for sales, looking for coupons, uh, looking for locations of mm-hmm. where those items might be on uh, on sale, um, and and trying to do all of that uh, uh, collection and integration of that information has really been on the consumer's shoulders, for instance. And now, if you look at what the artificial intelligence engine can bring to bear, it allows the consumer uh, to, uh, to basically type in an instruction to the artificial intelligence uh, uh, system or, or, or engine. And that engine will be the integrator itself. So the artificial intelligence uh, engine will uh, will be able to tie together uh, the uh, the coupon, uh, the directions, uh, the finder. Uh, it'll be able to get the, the ratings of certain items. And so what retailers can then start to do, they can they can start to uh, really create ecosystems around uh, their brands uh, for their customers. And in, in a sense, uh, by creating those ecosystems around their brands, now instead of having customers uh, leave uh, to go to other locations to do all of this collection and integration, they have one location that they can really kind of maintain and have all of that integration occur within that, that location. Thank you. Very interesting. Mark Narona, you know what? We are at the point in the show where we're ready to do our predictions round. This is the crystal ball, but I want one statement here. I'm going to start you on predictions, Mark, because there's something in your notes we didn't cover that I would really like you to do, and this will be your prediction. You say reasonably intelligent. Now, that's important. Reasonably intelligent assistance meaning AI, represent the very tip of the iceberg. So why don't you frame this prediction out as many years as you want, Mark, 2020, 2025, whatever, whatever you can see through the predictions crystal ball lens at SAP Startup Focus. So tell me, what if this is the tip of the iceberg, what's coming in the next five to ten years? I think what's coming in the next five to ten years is context-aware systems, um, I think there's a general acceptance across the industry that we're in this phase where um, it's about, you know, pattern recognition. And because of our, our compute capability, our ability to handle large data sets, the maturity of our algorithms is improving. And therefore, we're in this phase currently, which is about pattern recognition, uh, what patterns lie in the data. We have not yet really entered the phase of context recognition, which is what is the context of the individual process or the individual themselves when they are interacting with applications, when they're interacting with chatbots. And I think we're heading in that direction. So the next, I would say, five to 10 years is really about context-aware systems becoming mainstream. Um, and then thereafter, um, 
is the holy grail, which is human intelligence. And I do not want to comment about how long that might take. It could take a long time. <laughs> well, you're just going to have to come back on the show as many times as we need until we get there, Mark. So there, there's an assignment for you. Thank you. Richard Smell and Pipestream, I can give you 60 seconds. What do you, what's your prediction through the lens at Pipestream? We're talking AI. We're talking disruption. We're talking everything virtual, context, patterns, making things smarter and making it easier for consumers. So why don't you go out to 2020 or 2025 and tell me what you see in the crystal ball. Richard Smullen, go. So, Bonnie, remember the fax machine? I do. Well, I think that's what people are going to be saying to their friends in five to ten years' time around the phone conversation because I believe messaging is going to become so ubiquitous and perform so many functions and allow for so many tasks to take place between customers and businesses, people and people, that the idea of an actual audio or audible phone conversation is going to seem like a, uh, you know, a past life. So that, that's, that's our prediction. Messaging doing to the phone conversation what emailed the fax machine. Thank you very much. When people ask me for my fax number, Richard, I just cringe. I look at them like, are you blank, blank, kidding me. <laughs> Seriously? Okay. Yes, I stopped buying four-in-one printers a while ago. Sean Stoger at, Stuger, excuse me, at Boots Capper, the messenger, tell us, what's your prediction? I can give you a full 60 seconds. Sean, talk to me, uh, please. Thanks, thanks Bonnie. Um, I think the, uh, the, the, the mobile ecosystem uh, will continue to grow. And as a result of the mobile ecosystem growing, uh, we're going to have a confluence of, of, of so much more. Uh, you're going to have uh, social. Uh, you're going to have uh, mobility services. You're going to have uh, location services really all coming together. And I believe that artificial intelligence will be at the core of all of those services coming together. So there will be a dependence on those artificial intelligence services to be able to tie everything together for mobility, for, for location, and for social. And as such, uh, I, I believe the, the end result will be that the, the consumer uh, will end up benefiting uh, in the long run, and uh, we will become uh, more, more productive uh, as a result of, uh, of, of really all of those, uh, those services being available and the uh, confluence of all of those services being available for, for consumers. Thank you very much. And Sean Stuger, you know I was going to do this. I want to thank you for your 25 years of service to the U.S. Air Force as an officer in satellite operations, engineering, and procurement. And I know you retired honorably last year as a colonel, so thank you. And I want to say thank you to my three panelists. You were all very interesting, very intelligent, very insightful. Richard Smullen at Pipestream, all the best to you. Sean Stuger at Boots Capper, pleasure to meet you. And Mark Narona, come back anytime because I know you will. And a shout-out to Christina Sosa at SAP and Manju. Bonzel, who sponsors the series. Christina, you put together another wonderful panel, and thank you very much. So here's my call to action. I'm not going to predict anything. I'm just going to say we'll be back in, uh, I think, next week, next Tuesday. Uh, let's see. It'll be, oh, my goodness, a ma major date for us here in the U.S., Tuesday, the 8th of November. We will be here live with another edition of Startup Focus with Game Changers. So Bonnie D. Graham signing off, and here's my call to action. Fasten your seatbelt. You're really going to need it. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today. Have a great one. Bye-bye.
Thanks again for tuning in to Startup Focus with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. And please join host Bonnie D. Graham again next Tuesday morning at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week. We'll be right back.